Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show at blacktalkradio.com slash pcan. Send messages to the show. On Twitter, at GoForGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You hit us up here. Well, our chat room is down. Having some technical difficulties with that. I was going to say you can hit us up here on the chat room, but it's down. But hit us up on Twitter, at GoForGant. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rove. We're going to get Willie Rove's take on all things NFL. The Cowboys, are they for real? Cowboys beat the Seahawks in an impressive fashion. That was a big-time performance by Dallas Cowboys. Would he draft Jameis Winston? I mean, I think it's a fair question. And a question that a lot of people have been talking about. I asked Willie, and we're going to answer that today. So we're going to cover a bunch of different things with Willie Rowe. Also, Ravens defensive end D'Angelo Tyson will be joining us. The Ravens, a dominating performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, throttled the Buccaneers 48-17. to Joe Flacco, five touchdowns, including four touchdowns in the first quarter. That's crazy. And that's the second time Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been beat up by another team's offense. I mean, the Falcons beat up that Buccaneer offense. It was 56 to nothing at one point. Beat up that uh, defense. Beat it up. And that Buccaneers defense got beat up again by Joe Flacco in the Ravens. But we're going to talk to D'Angelo Tyson about that. D'Angelo Tyson also has a foundation, a Tyson foundation. And we're going to talk to him about that foundation and all the great things going on with that foundation. So it should be exciting to have D'Angelo Tyson on. D'Angelo will be joining us at 7.35. And Willie, Worf will, Willie Rofe will be joining us. Can't even talk. Willie Rofe will be joining us at 8.10. I was going to start with baseball, but I got to start in the NFL. The Seattle Seahawks and the New York Jets have made a trade. The Seattle Seahawks trade Percy Harvin to the New York Jets. I mean, in a, a kind of a stunner. And, and a trade that kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And it's for a conditional 2015 draft pick. The terms of the conditions and, and what draft pick and what round, we don't know. But Percy Harvin is off to the New York Jets. And now it, it could range, now it could range according to reports, from a second to a fourth-round pick. 
I mean, Percy Harvin, you see this, uh, you see what last year didn't really play too much. And the Seattle Seahawks made do. They made do without Percy Harvin. They didn't play much at all. But he sure played, paid dividends in the Super Bowl. I mean, his performance in the Super Bowl was big time. It, it was big time. It's like you dusted off, uh, so, you know, it's like a new toy, a little toy that you, you've always wanted to play with, but for whatever reason, you couldn't get that toy to work. And you finally got that toy to work. And that toy worked in the playoffs, in the postseason. Played against the Saints. But he got a concussion. Came back against the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Had some running yards, 45 yards to be exact. Caught one ball in that particular Super Bowl. But he, he, was, in, he was a guy, and, you know, he did some things on special teams. So he did his thing in that Super Bowl. And the reality is, say what you want to say about Percy Harvin, and yes, they gave him a lot of money. Five years, $67 million. They gave him a lot of money. Whole heck of a lot of money. But at the end of the day, while he was hurt and banged up throughout the course of last season, and he was, no doubt about it, at the end of the day, he, his performance in the Super Bowl, helped the Seattle Seahawks win that game. He helped the Seattle Seahawks win that game. His performance in the Super Bowl helped. I mean, he, he was everywhere. 87-yard kickoff return. Rushing yards, 45. I mean, he was everywhere, including a 30-yard run in that particular game. You were saying, where was this guy this whole year? And what would the Seahawks offense would what the Seahawks off? You wonder what the Seahawks offense would have looked like if he was there the whole year. But his performance in the Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned, it paid. It was worth the contract that he got. You bring in guys to win Super Bowls. Percy Harvin helped the Seahawks. Win a Super Win a Super Bowl. It may not have been the most conventional way, but he helped them win a Super Bowl. Obviously, when when you when you and they gave up a lot to get him, a first and a seventh round pick in twenty thirteen, a third round pick in twenty fourteen. So they gave up a lot to get him. That's a steep price. But at the end of the day, as I said, you get guys to win championships. You bring in guys to win championships. You play to win the game, as Herman Edwards once said. And guess what? Adding a Percy Harvin ultimately helped the Seahawks to win the biggest game of them all, which is the Super Bowl. Six years, $67 million, $25 million in guarantees. A first, a seventh, and a third, all for Percy Harvin. And if you're Percy Harvin, you go from a team that has the possibilities of winning a Super Bowl to a team that may only win two, three, four, five games and probably won't, not probably, they won't sniff the playoff. The Jets are done. And you go from playing with Russell Wilson to playing with Geno Smith. I'm not saying Russell Wilson is the 
most prolific quarterback in this league. But what I am saying is that I think it's an upgrade over Geno Smith. If you listen to this show long enough, you know I don't believe in Geno Smith. I don't believe in Geno Smith. I don't think I'll ever believe in Geno Smith. Don't think I will. Don't think I'll ever will. I don't think so. I don't think so. But anyway, Harvard's a jet. And then you look at the Seahawks, and, you know, on the surface you're saying, okay, you're, you're giving up Percy Harvin. You also lost Golden Tate in this offseason. On the surface you're saying, why are you making this move? Your offense really didn't look that great last week against the Cowboys. Your passing game is not the most prolific passing game in football. Why are you giving up a weapon in Percy Harvin? Maybe they don't believe he can stay healthy. Maybe they feel like they have others who can – replace what he brings to the table. I mean that that would only be that would be my thought process. Maybe Percy Harvin is doing something to lock him. I don't know. I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying. I'm trying to figure out why the move was made. But the Seahawks now, I mean if you're the Jets, you need some offensive firepower. Your offense is it doesn't have weapons. They don't have weapons. You do get another small wide receiver, you already have Curly there. You get another small wide receiver in Percy Harvin, but your offense doesn't really have the weapons and doesn't really have the explosiveness that you need in this league to be successful. The Jets' defense, secondary-wise, has struggled. But they, this is a team that needs weapons. They need weapons. And, you know, they you, you saw the game last, uh, yesterday against – the Tampa, not Tampa Bay, against the <clears throat> against the New England Patriots, and and you know, you watch that football game, and you look at the Jets, and you know they they're kicking field goals after field goals after field goals. I mean, four field goals. That's a lot of field goals. You got to score touchdowns in this league, especially if you want to be Brady and the Patriots. That could be the byproduct of your quarterback, who I don't think is that great a byproduct of you not having the necessary weapons to score points down in the red zone. And just to score points, period. But the Jets need playmakers. Percy Harvin is an explosive playmaker. If he can stay healthy, he can help you in your return game. He can help you in, in terms of, and we see him with Seattle taking carries and reverses and things of that nature. He can help you in that, too. He has big playability, big playability. But when you're 32nd in passing, you need weapons. When you're 32nd in passing, you need weapons, and the Jets need weapons. Percy Harvin, though he's had a hard time staying healthy, is a weapon. We'll see how he's utilized. We'll see if he can stay healthy. But very interesting trade in the NFL. Also, throughout the course of this show, we're going to get to the NBA. Dirk Nowitzki, LeBron James. Well, they think that the NBA season should be shortened. I'll tell you if they're on to something. I'll tell you if they're on to something. Michael Jordan comes out and says, no, it's fine. And that comes on the heels of the NBA experimenting with a 44-minute game. I mean, I don't know 
what that does. I mean, NBA game is about two and a half hours. That's not really that long in comparison to baseball, comparison to football. I mean, you know, football game, three, three and a half hours now, especially with all these penalties and everything. But usually you only have around three hours. Baseball game could three, four hours. You know, it's a slow game. Basketball's two and a half hours. Basketball's always been reasonable in terms of how long the game is. And here's the thing. We are in the ultimate ADHD generation. I mean, with smartphones, iPads, and things of that nature, people's attention span is, is very limited. Everywhere you go, every person you see, they got their phone in their hand. They're looking down at their phone. They're texting. They're tweeting. They're posting on Facebook. But And so the reality is the attention span with all these things that can grab your attention, all these attention grabbers that are out there, the attention span of, of, of a lot of people, especially young people, is very limited. Very limited. So these leagues are trying what they can do, whatever they can do, to try to keep people interested and entertained. We we hear it all the time in terms of baseball. They got to find a way to speed this game up. We hear it all the time in baseball. Young people are not watching baseball. We hear it all the time. What can we do to speed the game up to make it more alluring to 18 to 35? What can we do to make it more alluring for that generation? What can we do? And to me, there's only so many things you can do in the sport of baseball. I mean, you could put a pitch, a, a clock on the pitcher if you want to do it that way. I mean, you could do that. You can definitely do that if you want. That may speed it up. You can force uh, batters to, to stay in the, the batter's box and, and, and not go out and touch this batting glove and that batting glove, touch this cleat and that cleat, you know, rub this part of their body and that part of their body. I mean, you could do that. I mean, there are things you can do. You can limit the amount of times that a that a catcher can talk to the pitcher, and the amount of times that a a manager and a, and a coach can go out there to the mound. I mean, you can limit all these things. These mound conferences, you can limit all these things if you want. If you want, I mean, maybe it could be a situation where you have three timeouts, and those three timeouts are three mound conferences that you have. I mean, I don't know. Something along those lines. Maybe you could do something along those lines. I don't know. But the sport of baseball, the the sport is naturally slow. It's a slow sport. That's just the beauty. That's just the nature of the sport. The nature of the beast. Football obviously is an up and down situation. Basketball is an up and down situation. Hockey's an up and down situation. It's fast. The nature of the sport. So we'll see. I mean, NBA is playing with a 44-game, not 44-game, 44-minute game, and we'll see what comes of that. I don't know what will come of that, but I, I think the, the the amount of minutes in the NBA game is fine. 48 minutes is fine. There's nothing wrong, I don't think. And I think if you, you really want to talk about it, and we'll talk about it later, we'll talk about it later, whether LeBron James and Dirk Nowitzki are, are far off with their assertion and their thought that maybe the NBA – should, should think about shortening the season. We'll get, we'll get back to that in a moment. Well, the World Series is set. 
The World Series is set, and if men, if any of you thought that the Kansas City Royals, if anybody, I don't think anybody in this world, you had to be the most diehard, loyal Kansas City Royals fan to believe that the Royals would make it to the World Series. I mean, is, is that one of the most amazing, I mean, who thought of that? I mean, and, and I, I, I tweeted this out, hell has finally froze over. Because no one thought that the Kansas City Royals would ever make it to the World Series this season. No one. No one. They're a surprise baseball team. They're a surprise team. And they keep surprising. And they keep finding ways to win baseball games. I mean, heck, their third hitter, the third hitter in their lineup, Lay down a sacrifice bunt in a game, in a playoff game. A sacrifice bunt. That's the first time that's happened since 1984. Well, a year later, the Royals would make it to the World Series and win a World Series. You're thinking, there's no way the Royals could win or get to the World Series in 2014. George Brett not walking through that door. Brent Saberhagen is not walking through that door. George Orta is not walking through that door. Charlie Liebrand isn't walking through that door. You thought there was no way. Hal McCray isn't walking through that door. You thought there was no way the Royals. Frank White, he's not coming through. You thought there was no way the Royals would get to the World Series. And, and I'm not, I didn't think so either. No way. No way. I mean, this Royals team, whether 7-3 down against the A's, find a way to get it done. I mean, they sweep the Angels. This team didn't hit many home runs in the, world, in, in the regular season. Started hitting them in the playoffs. They sweep the Angels. Then they sweep the Orioles. I mean, this team is 8-0 in the playoffs. 8-0. I mean, you're talking about, that's phenomenal. 8-0. Phenomenal in these playoffs. It's just, you know, we can look at the numbers in, in terms of them facing the Giants, a Giants team that possibly could win a third World Series in five years. We forget about you almost forget about it on some level the dominance of the Giants over these years. And and they find a way to stay good. They find a way to stay good. And so the Giants now, an opportunity to get three titles in five years. I think we forget about it. I think if it was the Yankees, we'd never forget about it. We'd never stop hearing about it. But they have an opportunity. And the Kansas City Royals, here's the thing. I wonder... How many people on the East Coast really care are going to really care about this World Series? Not too many people. I mean, the Royals—they were points in this year where they were having a hard time, hard time getting people to come into their building, and they were a competitive baseball team throughout the course of this season. And I know the Royals over the years have been a team that has stunk. No one's really cared about their own fan base. Hasn't cared about this team. But there was a time during this season where the Royals 
were having a hard time getting their fans to recognize what they're doing. Royals fans were not showing up to games. They weren't doing it. They didn't care. They didn't care. I mean, Royals fans, they were they were they, they, the the Royals, Ned Yost, their 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 manager. This is back in August. Begging fans to show up. Begging fans to show up. I mean, you're talking about a game in August with this Royals team and, and, and them being a competitive baseball team, only 13,000 show up. And this was a team at the time, this was in August. This was a team at the time was had a, a one-and-a-half game lead over the Detroit Tigers, had a one-and-a-half game lead over the Tigers. They were number one in their division. Number one in their division. And this is a team, back in August, only averaged around 23,000 fans per baseball game. So their own fan base didn't care about them. People in Kansas City didn't care about the Royals. They care now. Everybody's a Royals fan now. How good is this? I mean, this this is a great story. And this is the beauty of baseball to me. Because the best team does not win. That's the beauty of football. The best team does not win. How about we, we can go as far back. How about the 99 Rams? With Kurt Warner in that ball club. The greatest show on turf, Marshall Falk, Bruce, Aza Keen, Tory Holt, that team. And we look at that team, and no one thought the Rams would make it to the Super Bowl back in 1999. I mean, if you had people who said the Rams were going to get to the Super Bowl, well, guess what? Those two people that said that back in 1999, probably changed their mind the moment Trent Green went down. They probably changed their mind the moment Trent Green went down. Changed their mind. But that's the beauty of the NFL, and that's the beauty of baseball in some respect. That team that comes out of nowhere. I mean, how about the New England Patriots? The first time they won it. No one expected the Patriots to be in the Super Bowl, let alone win the Super Bowl. No one. And so the reality is a team like the Kansas City Royals come out of nowhere and win a World Series, well, or in the World Series. I mean, that's a great feat in itself. That's a great feat in itself to get there if you're the Kansas City Royals. that's I mean, well, to even get into the playoffs is a great feat. To get into the playoffs is a great feat. But you have it, teams who no one expects to win it all, win it all. You, you, it, it, it's, you know, baseball, you have that, the, the unexpected. 
the unknown. One thing I'll say about baseball and football and even hockey, best team doesn't always learn. I, I, I say this all the time, but to me that's the beauty of, their, uh, of baseball. It's the beauty of football, that the teams, the best team doesn't always win. Basketball, best team, as we said, always wins. But, you know, you see the football all the time, teams that come out of nowhere to win Super Bowls. And no one, no one, absolutely no one expected them to do it. No one. But that's the beauty of sports. And, again, my question becomes, you know, who really, who who is going to care on the East Coast? Who's really going to care? You know, the East Coast bias. There, There is going to be, I mean, I don't think a lot of people on the East Coast really care about this Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl, the World Series. There's not going to be a lot of East Coast love when it comes to this World Series. Does anybody really care about the Kansas City Royals? It's a beautiful story, but is anybody really going to watch the Royals and the Giants this World Series? Is anybody going to watch this World Series? We'll see. But it's, a, it, it, it's going to be great for me to see the can I mean it, it to me it's just it's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing that the Kansas City Royals are in the World Series. I guess you really can't be surprised about the Giants. But the Royals, wow. Stunning. Wow. And eight and oh, how they've done it too. Eight and oh in the playoffs? So they're they're dominating series. And you can say they're not dominating games, but they're dominating series. They play a lot of close games in these playoffs. And that's what you're, you're going to encounter close games. That's the nature of winning championships. That's what you got to do to win championships. You got to play. You got to play tough games. You got to win close and tough games. And that's what the Royals have done thus far in these playoffs. I mean, we can talk about the Giants. I mean, the Giants walk off fashion, dispatch the Cardinals, and they get to this point. Ishikawa, Travis Ishikawa, I mean, you know, got rid of him, brought him back, and he pays dividends. Three-run shot. And the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. And the Giants go back to the World Series. Amazing. Amazing. But here's what I think on paper, the Giants probably are the better baseball team. But to me, and I've been down this road before. I've been down this road before. I've been down this road before with the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. I believed that the San Francisco 49ers were the more talented team in that Super Bowl. But the Baltimore Ravens were on a run. They were hot. No weapon formed against them were prospering as Ray Lewis liked to say. And, and Ray Lewis, that whole Ray Lewis run, and, and, and Ray Lewis, it's just that Ray Lewis magic. I mean, how can you explain Raheem Moore and his you know inability to make that play? How can you explain Trenton Holiday, two special teams touchdowns, and you still find a way to win that game? To me, that game alone, after that, 
I, I had to – after that, I knew they were going to the Super Bowl, but I didn't think they were going to beat the 49ers. I started to go with my head, and I think I should have went with my heart, and my heart was saying, stick with Destiny's Child. Stick with Destiny's Child. Stick, stick with Destiny's Child. Ultimately, I went against Destiny's Child. I went against it. Not proud of it, but I went against it. And going against it, I picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. But Ray Lewis, and, 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 and I'm not saying Ray Lewis had a good Super Bowl good Super Bowl because he didn't. But what I'm saying is Ray Lewis and that magic and, 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 and his energy was infectious. And the Ravens wanted to win it for Ray. Ray got his ring. He got his ring. And no weapon formed against the Ravens prospered. So, I mean, maybe, probably the Giants are the better baseball team. But the Royals seem to have destiny on their side. And no matter what you do sometimes, it's very difficult, very difficult to fight destiny. Destiny seems to win more often than not. And so, with that being said, I'm not making a pick now. You kind of get the idea where I'm leaning. I'm going with destiny, maybe. I'm leaning towards destiny. I'm leaning towards destiny. We'll see if I'm right. We'll see. We shall see. I hope I'm right, but I'm going towards destiny. Let's go back to the NFL now. And we saw last night Jets, Patriots, Jets played a very good football game. Can't take anything away from the Jets last night. They played a very good football game. They did a lot of things right in that game. Some of the things they did wrong were they were kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. So issues in the red zone. You got to get those issues tightened up in the red zone. Defensively, giving up big plays. You can't give up big plays. This Jets secondary has been a it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle throughout the whole season for this Jets defense. A struggle in the secondary. Big time struggle with this secondary. The Jets I mean I had the Jets going to the playoffs and I, and I can't believe I did. Uh, I can't believe I did. How could I ever think that this Jets team could navigate the schedule that they have? How could I ever think that? I don't think they have a quarterback in Geno Smith. I think, as far as I'm concerned, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback of the future. The Jets, if they continue with this season, will be in a running for maybe a Geno Smith, a Prescott, a Marcus Mariota. I mean, they'll be right there in the running for those quarterbacks. And I'll get to in a moment whether or not if the Jets do have an opportunity at a Jameis Winston, whether or not they should call his name on draft day. A lot of people are saying no. A lot of people are saying no, and it's understandable. It's most definitely understandable considering what we've seen this past season with the personal conduct policy and what we've seen this past season with the Ravens who counted on a Ray Rice. He's gone. 
the Vikings who counted on Adrian Peterson, he's gone. A Panthers team that counted on Greg Hardy, he's gone. So you get the picture. You get you get the picture. And your quarterback is the face of your franchise. And right now the Jets need a new face of their franchise. They need they need a buzz. And their coach Rex Ryan is probably done. This is is it for Rex Ryan, I believe. I mean, one and six. I mean, they've competed easily. Could it beat the Packers? I mean, the only game they didn't compete against is, is San Diego, where they lost thirty-one to nothing. That was the only game where you could say the Jets didn't compete. But they competed against the Packers up earlier in that game against the Bears. They were in that game. Against the Lions, they were in that game, had opportunity. Denver, they were in that game, had opportunities. Obviously, last night, in that game, and had opportunities. So they they were in it. They had opportunities. Other than what we saw against San Diego, but this team has had opportunities to win football games. But when you're 32nd in passing yards, that's an issue. That's an issue. Your quarterback, when you can't trust your quarterback to make the necessary plays for your team, it becomes an issue. But Rex Ryan said this season at this point has been a failure. And I don't think anybody in that locker room can disagree. I mean, it has been a failure. You're one in six. One in six. And so, but I look at the, the rest of their schedule I see some winnable games on the rest of their schedule, to be honest with you. I do see some winnable games. And, you know, maybe they can turn this around. It seems like the Jets and Rex are at the best, at their best when their backs are against the wall. And their backs were against the wall coming into that game, and they played one of their better games. Ultimately, they lost, but they played one of their better games. But Buffalo at Kansas City, Pittsburgh, at Buffalo, Miami, at Minnesota, at Tennessee, New England, and at Miami. I mean, it's not... I mean, the, the toughest part of their schedule is out the way. I mean, you know, when you got to play a San Diego, a, a Green Bay, a Denver, a New England, a Chicago, a Detroit. I mean, these are all very good football teams. These are all teams who are, you know, 500 or above football teams. These are all 500 and above football teams they played in this regular, early in the regular season, other than the Raiders. The one game that they got, everybody else, Green Bay, over 500. Chicago, at 500. Detroit, over 500. San Diego, over 500. Denver, over 500. New England, over 500. So, other, I mean, out of their seven opponents, only one team is below 500, and that's the Oakland Raiders. And everybody beats the Raiders, because the Raiders stink. When we come back, we're going to talk Ravens football as we'll be joined by one of their defensive ends, D'Angelo Tyson. You listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. 
I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Rocky. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Last week, the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, a very, very dominant performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, the defense really didn't have to do much last week. I mean, D'Angelo Tyson and this uh, Ravens defense, really, uh, in some respect, I won't say a, a, a week off, but you got to give a lot of credit to Joe Flacco, who was in a zone. He was in an absolute zone. The Ravens' offense was in the zone, and they dominated the Buccaneers 48-17. to And this team, 4-2 and right now, in a tough AFC North. I mean, the AFC North, it's one of the toughest divisions in football. I mean, Cleveland's playing good football. Obviously, you have Cincinnati, who's playing some big-time football. And also, you have the Baltimore Ravens, who are right there also playing big-time football. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of the defense, let's bring him in now, defensive end, D'Angelo Tyson. D'Angelo, how are you? Fine, how are you? Thanks for having Doing me. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Let's get right down to it. I mean, you guys are coming off a dominating performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 48-17. to I mean, you were on the sideline watching Joe Flacco, four touchdowns in the first quarter, five touchdowns in total. Tell us what you saw out of Joe Flacco. Uh, it was a great milestone for his career to throw that many touchdowns in that small of a time frame. It just shows that what such a good quarterback he is um, and how effective this offense can be. Were you were you stunned by what you saw? I mean, four touchdowns in the first quarter. I mean, that's unheard of. No, we, we work hard each and every day in practice, and we go over our fundamentals. And as long as you play with fundamentals and you take your talent along with that, who knows what can happen. And Joe Flacco showed what he can do with his fundamentals and his talent. Definitely. He's a very talented quarterback, and he put up some big numbers that you guys had an impressive performance. Was that the best you've seen out of Joe Flacco? I mean, you've seen him during that playoff run, that Super Bowl run back in 2012. But was that the best you've seen out of Joe Flacco? Um, uh, this is this is my third year, and um, he's he's been playing football way longer than I have. But it just shows what what's, what's what he can do in this offense and the type of the type of player he is. So I'm glad he's my quarterback. We're talking to Baltimore Ravens defensive end D'Angelo Tyson. Let me ask you this. When when your offense is putting up those type of numbers and scoring those type of points, what, what is the mindset of the defense? We just got to keep giving the offense back the ball. So that means just going out, getting out the field on third down, and we see the offense rolling like that. Our job is to play our defense and get the ball back into the offensive hand. For sure, and you guys, you guys did a good job of that, and you, you did a good job of getting – the ball right back into that Ravens offense hand. Let me ask you this, D'Angelo. You're a versatile defensive lineman. You can play multiple positions on the defensive line. Talk about your versatility. Um, I, it, it, I, I'm just happy with the opportunity I have to, to play defense. Um, my coach always say, 
says learn the playbook, so I take it every advantage to do that along the defensive line. And in this business, the more you can do, the more you are successful, and the more you're successful, successful the longer you stay in the league. And after week seven, going into week seven, talk about your play at this point. You happy with what you're doing at this point of the year? Um, I always can. I always find things in myself that I can do to become a better player, whether that's with pass rush or one block technique. But no, nobody's ever satisfied where they are. They always shoot and get better. And I'm one of those players who always trying to find things with my game to get better. We're talking to Ravens defensive end D'Angelo Tyson. I want to ask you this now. We all know the whole Ray Rice story. Was that a distraction for your team? I mean, we, we, we just saw a, a guy who went through a time in his life um, that was was a struggle and shock to everyone. But we know that he's a good guy, and you can't fault somebody for their actions. But who knows what, what, what can happen in the future. I love Ray, and Ray's one of my good friends, so I hope everything works out. So you have spoken to Ray Rice since the incident? Um, we, we keep in touch. Um, we, we're great friends, so we, we're gonna. We're not, that, that's not going to change our relationship. And, and let me ask you this, and, and and I say this all the time. And here's, you know, I, I look at football players, and, and I think um, unfortunately a lot of people put these put football players on pedestals and, and and make it seem like they can't make mistakes, make it seem like they're perfect, make it seem like they're robots. But, you know, they're just like everybody else. Everybody makes mistakes. And I think sometimes as a society we're too hard on athletes. Do you feel that's the case? Oh, man, at this stage of our careers, um, all the players are, are role models. And so a role model is supposed to say an example for somebody who wants to be like them. So I see no wrong in putting us on a pedestal because we are role models and we are trying to affect each and every child's life in a positive way. So as long as we're doing that, I'm, I'm happy. We're talking to Ravens defensive end D'Angelo Tyson. You got the Falcons coming to town, a, a team with a very high-powered offense. They have some issues on the offensive line. But all in all, what are you seeing out of the Falcons? What have you seen in film? They're they're sneaky, dangerous. Um, Matt Ryan's a great quarterback, and you got the two best wide receiver tandems in football that you have to stop. The offensive line is a great group; they work together, and this whole offense is pretty good. So we just got to continue to do what we do as a defense and get up the field on third down. And this is a Falcon team that's struggling right now, having lost three in a row. Do you feel like you're catching them at the right time? In this league, every, every, everybody's good, and you have to take each game week to week because anybody can lose. My coach always says more games are lost than won, so we're going to try to continue to play Raven football and get another win. We're talking to Ravens defensive end D'Angelo Tyson. D'Angelo, right now you guys are 4-2 and two in a very competitive AFC North division. Many believe Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals, are the class of that division. Where do you see your team at this point? We well, we always striving to get better. Um, we always our, our goal is always to be the division champs, and you got to take that one week at a time. And so you just can't cry yourself at the beginning of the season. It's a one week, um, one week season, and approach each game like it's your last, and see who's on top on the end. Do you feel like there's enough talent in your locker room to make that happen to be on top of the AFC North at the end of this season? 
I think the I think the GM and the owner does a great job of getting the right guys in and build a team the way they want to be built. And I think we have the right guys in our locker room to um, win the division, make it to the playoffs, and also win the Super Bowl. Now, D'Angelo, you are a Georgia guy. We all know the situation with Todd Gurley, who right now is suspended for allegedly. Uh, well, at this point, they're investigating whether or not he signed autographs for money. Your thoughts on that situation? Um, I think Coach Rick did the right decision um, to protect his job and protect his players. Um, if, if an investigation did say otherwise, then all those wins that the team get can go into jeopardy because mm-hmm. Todd has been playing and has gotten um, in trouble. So I think Coach Rick made the right decision only for only for the team because the team is what comes first. For sure. We're talking to the defensive end of the Baltimore Ravens, D'Angelo Tyson. I want to ask you this. You are on Twitter, at Tyson underscore 94, but your teammate mm-hmm. Steve Smith, he's taking a little Twitter break. Have there been times with you where you wanted to take a Twitter break? Well, I just, I just use Twitter to pr- promote myself as a as a good player and also promote my foundation that I have started. So I, people use Twitter in different ways. I'm using it as a... As a as a brand, and I'm trying to build myself and build my foundation. Do you get annoyed sometimes when when you see uh, various comments on Twitter, or is it something you kind of ignore? Um, we kind of you kind of ignore it because you know um, some people don't really know what they're talking about, and sometimes you find it funny because they think they do. But sometimes you just gotta take that as motivation to make yourself a better a better person. Now, Todd, I mean, not Todd. Now, Tyson, you're a guy who want, who is a good person and who wants to do things for his community. You started your foundation, the Tyson Foundation, as a way to give back to the community. Talk about that foundation. Well, I, I established the foundation as a way to give back to the community. Um, my foundation is basically going to help out those who have grew up, grew up like me. So I, it's, I, I'm always honored to give back. I feel like I'm on a at this stage in my life I'm able to help others in order to receive their goals and overcome their challenges. Now what's it mean to grow up like you? how did you grow up and, and talk about your childhood and, and how it shaped who you are today? Well you know growing up in a group home is not always fun. You want to be around family. But and I, I'm, a, I'm a very Christian man. I believe that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And I thank God each and every day that he took me through that stage of my life because, honestly, I, I don't believe if I didn't go to that boy's home, I, wouldn't, I would not have earned a scholarship to play at the University of Georgia, and I would not have had the chance to play for the Ravens and win a Super Bowl my first year. So I just thank God each and every day for putting me through that situation. So you started from the bottom and now you're here. That's, that's got to feel good, man. <laughs> that definitely has to feel good. And I mean, and the reality is, in the NFL, you you came up the hard way as well, being a seventh round draft pick. So nothing has come easy for you. Well, no. Everybody has their way of making it through life, and everybody goes through struggles. And I, I don't think mine has all, has been the worst. I just look at it as motivation, and don't be a statistic in a guy coming from the boys' home and not being um, successful in life. So, like I said, I just thank God each and every day 
for putting me through that situation. And you're doing a great job. I mean, you have this platform being on the Baltimore Ravens. What what does that mean to you, having this platform and using this platform? I'm just blessed to have the opportunity to play for the Ravens and use my influence to help others in life. And I know that growing up, a lot of people helped me. So now I want to be able to help others to do what they need to do. For sure, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's, that's what it's all about, giving back to others to whom much is given, much is required. So you're doing what you got to do in the community. Where can fans find information about this great foundation, the Tyson Foundation? Uh, um I also have uh, a, a Facebook page called the Tyson Foundation. And just take a look and see what we're about. Um, my first goal is to open up a group home back in Statesburg, the one that I grew up in has wow. closed. Um, and so I, it really hurt me because that, that was my home. I was there from the fourth grade up until I graduated high school. So to see that gone really makes me want to put another one back there because I know it's a lot more people out there who 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 needs help. So I'm just wanting to get all, get, get all the profits and everything towards my foundation in order to open up a group home in Statesboro. Let me ask you this. Were there times while you were in that group home where you said to yourself, I'm never going to get out of here, or I'm never going to make anything of myself? Well, well you, you don't know. You just know how you feel once you get there. Everything, okay. living there is just a process. The people are so are so great. They, they're, they're your parents, basically, so they teach you from right from wrong, teach you how to become a man, so... Going into the situation, I was like, I don't know what to do. But as, as each day went, I knew that I could be somebody. For sure, and you are somebody. You're doing some things for the Baltimore Ravens fans. Make sure you check this man out on Twitter at Tyson underscore 94. Also, his website, D'Angelo-Tyson.com, and support all the great things going on with D'Angelo Tyson. D'Angelo. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. All right, thank you. I'm um, I'm very I'm very happy y'all had me. Take care. Uh, you too. D'Angelo Tyson, defensive end for the Baltimore Ravens, and you know obviously this the guy started for the bottom. Now he's here, and that's to me, that's the greatest story. That that to me is always the greatest story. When a guy can can go from the bottom of the barrel and find a way to make it out of that and, and make something of himself and become something special in this life in this world, I mean it's difficult. It's, it's not easy making it in this country, in this world. And, and, and D'Angelo Tyson, coming from a difficult background, has found a way to make it work. Has found a way. To, to be successful, and, and I, that's always a great thing, and, and kudos to him, and nothing but the best of luck to him and the Baltimore Ravens moving forward. They got a big game against the Atlanta Falcons, and, you know, I looked at the Atlanta Falcons coming into this year, and, you know, one of the issues they're having is defense, and uh, here's the funny thing. I was doing my predictions, and, you know, when I was doing my predictions, uh, you know, coming into this year, I look at the I looked at the Falcons defense and I looked at names and I didn't see anybody on that defense to me that stood out and and that you know I, the defense is not good 
the Falcons' defense is not that good. They're not. And, and uh, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. They're not good. And, the Falcon, and, and subsequently, the Falcon team is struggling because their defense is not good. It's not good. But, you know, the, the Falcons, you know, they, they can put up the offense. They can put up the offense. But, unfortunately, unfortunately, they have a hard time with the defense. They have a hard time with defense. And they're not playing good defense. And because they're not playing good defense, this team is struggling. This team is struggling also. It hurts that the offensive line is banged up. That hurts. That definitely hurts. You know, it's difficult to win in this league. It's difficult to win in the National Football League. It becomes very difficult when you don't have protection. It becomes very difficult when your offensive line is banged up. It becomes very difficult. And, and you look at, you know, the opposite, at the Dallas Cowboys, whose offensive line is big time. I mean, they're D'Angelo, not D'Angelo. Um, you look at uh, DeMarco Murray and the numbers he's putting up. He's putting up big time numbers. He's putting up big time numbers. Big time numbers. And, you know, he's one of the reasons that the Dallas Cowboys are where they're at. He's one of the reasons that the Dallas Cowboys are 5-1. and one. He's one of the reasons that the Dallas Cowboys are one of the surprise teams in football. DeMarco Murray and that offensive line. I mean, it, it's it's like it seems like it's it's the triplets again. It seems like it's Aikman and Emmett and, and Michael Irvin again. It's Dez and... DeMarco Murray and Tony Romo. Now, those are the guys. Now, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's it, things have changed in Dallas. And the Cowboys, I mean, what an impressive performance. First of all, no one goes into Seattle and beats Russell Wilson and that Seahawks team. No one has, no one does it. The only team that Russell Wilson has lost to in his building is the Arizona Cardinals last season. That's it. So this guy has been dominant at home. This team has been dominant at home. You don't beat Seattle in Seattle. I mean, that was an impressive performance. You were able to run the ball with DeMarco Murray. You were able to make plays in the passing game with Des Bryant, Terrence Williams. And how about that catch by Terrence Williams on the sidelines? I mean, that was an amazing catch. How he got those two feet down and, and, and secured that football, I don't know. But that was an amazing catch by Terrence Williams. Big-time catch. But I, I, I look at this Dallas team. I look at this football team. And, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about coming into this season, that offensive, that defense, that defense. Is that defense good enough to hold teams? Is, is that defense good enough to keep the Cowboys and, and help the Cowboys to be competitive? Was that defense good enough? And my, my, I said coming into the year, well, if you're going to have that same question about the Cowboys, I think you need to have that same question about the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that a lot of people were, were picking to win that division, and, and some people were picking to win the Super Bowl. I think you've had to have that same type of conversation when talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cowboys, say what you will about this team. 
Say what you will about that defense. But it's respectable. They're in the middle of the pack. They're a respectable defense. Not the greatest, but not the worst. They're a respectable defense. And to me, when you have the weapons and the firepower, when you have an offensive line led by Tyron Smith, when you have that running game led by DeMarco Murray, when you have that passing game with Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, Jason Witt, Tony Romo, when you have all those ingredients, when you have all those ingredients and you have all those pieces, your offense is going to be fine. You're number one in terms of rushing. I mean, DeMarco Murray is a rarefied air. He's in Jim Brown air. He's with Jim Brown. And anytime you can mention your name next to Jim Brown, you're doing something. You're doing something. Six straight 100-yard performances for DeMarco Murray. Six straight. And him, and Jim Brown. Yes, Jim Brown, the great Jim Brown. The only running backs in NFL history to start the season with six straight 100-yard performances. I guess the only question now becomes, can DeMarco Murray hold up? Can he hold up? A lot of carries, 159 carries for DeMarco Murray after six games. I mean, he's on pace to what, about 400 carries. So that that's concerning because DeMarco Murray, as we know, has had issues staying healthy. He's had an issue staying healthy. Had an issue in Oklahoma staying healthy. Had issues in the NFL staying healthy. It's a lot of carries. That's a lot of hits on your body. A lot of hits, especially for a guy who's had a hard time staying healthy. You remember back in 1998, Jamal Anderson, Dirty Birds, and the Dirty Birds go to the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons go to the Super Bowl. I still don't know how that happened. I still don't know how that happened. Still bothered by that game. I wanted to see Randall Cunningham get a Super Bowl. I wanted to see it. I begged to see it. But anyway, but anyway, Jamal Anderson, 410 carries. Back in 1998, the next season, only played in two games, had a knee injury, out for the year. Out for the year. He was never really the same back after that. He wasn't. He he wasn't the same back after that 410 carry season. Wasn't the same running back. DeMarco Murray. After six games, 159 carries, 159 carries. So he's, you look at it now, he's a guy that's probably going to get close to that $400 mark, 400 carry mark, $400, 400 carry mark, 400 carry mark. That's a lot. That's a lot of carries. And so, especially for a guy who's had a hard time staying healthy. He's had a hard time staying healthy. But if he can stay healthy, if he can continue to carry the load for the Dallas Cowboys, look out. 
they're going to be a tough team to beat. If this defense can continue to be average, because that's what they are, they're average defense. If they can continue to be an average defense, they're going to be fine too. If they can be average, this Cowboy team is going to be fine. They're going to be fine. If that defense can continue to play average, and if DeMarco Murray can continue, I mean, you can't expect 100 yards every week, but if he's solid and Romo still playing well, why not the Cowboys? I mean, I look at their schedule. It's not awful. Giants twice. Giants came back to the pack, and, and, and maybe they are who we thought they were going to be last week against Philadelphia, lost 27 to nothing. But the Giants, they got the Redskins, the Cardinals, and Jacksonville, the next four. Then they go on by. I mean, you can easily see them going 3-1, and one, if not 2-2 two and two in that whole, that, that those next four, four games, definitely. And then after the bye, New York, Philly, Chicago, Philly, Indy, Washington. So you play Philly twice. The division, I think it's going to, you know, you're going to sell that division that second half of the season. And December 15th, excuse me, December 14th, week 15 against the Philadelphia Eagles, Sunday night football at Philadelphia is a game that it's going to be very interesting. That's going to be an interesting football game, and I think that game is going to mean something, a whole heck of a lot. And it might mean something not only for the NFC East, but in terms of the conference as well. I mean, well, more so the NFC East, obviously because the team who who loses is going to get the wild card. So it's going to be a big game for both football teams because none of them want the wild card, especially if they can win a division and they can win a division and possibly get one of those top two seeds. Guess what? They get a bye. And that's big. That's big. A home playoff game is big, especially in the second round. So the Cowboys – should be interesting to see what comes with this Cowboy team moving forward. But what an impressive victory by the Dallas Cowboys in Seattle last week. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean season. anything in the playoffs time. In the playoffs time, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You're, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> We're back. Second hour go for starting right now in this hour. Willie Rofe will be joining us. 
you know, we're going to talk all things NFL with Willie Rowe. Get his take on the Cowboys. Five and one. Press performance in Seattle. See what the Cowboys can do moving forward. You know, we're going to also get his take on Jameis Winston and, and what he thinks about Jameis and whether or not if he was a GM in the National Football League, if he had the number one pick and he felt like Jameis Winston was the most talented quarterback in the, in the draft, would he take him? Would he take him? And we'll get to that right now. I'll tell you right now, I'd take him. I mean, I, I'd take Jameis Winston if I felt like Jameis Winston was the most talented quarterback in, in, in college football and I felt like he his game could translate to the pros. I most definitely would take him. I most definitely would take a chance on Jameis Winston. And I know people are saying, well, you can't take a chance on, on a guy like Jameis Winston. You just can't do it. I mean, he's the quarterback. He's the face of your franchise. He's the face of your franchise. All things and arrows point towards Jameis Winston, the face of your franchise. You can't take a chance and make a mistake with a guy like that. You can't take a chance on Jameis Winston because you don't know what this guy will do. You don't know if he's going to act a fool. I mean, he's done some things, obviously. Obviously, he's done some things. I mean, we, we, we all know that. We all know that. But, I mean, you know, the alleged rape, I mean, obviously, at this point, no charges. It's done. I mean, that case is thrown out. It's gone. Say what you will about the situation. It's gone. You know, him getting suspended for a game for, for making some, you know, some inappropriate comments at, in a student lounge or whatnot. I mean, you know, it's it's obviously not something he should be doing. Him stealing crab legs. You know, $81 worth of crab legs. And speaking of stealing, Joseph Randall, we'll get to that in a moment. But him stealing crab legs and, you know, all these things. I mean, and now the situation with the autographs, 2,000 autographs that he may have signed and may, you know, not only signed, but signed for some money. And and the issue is not signing. The issue is whether you were compensated while signing those autographs. And, you know, the university is still investigating. They're still investigating, and at this point, at this point, they have yet to find evidence that he accepted money for those autographs. And how many people signed 2,000 autographs for free? I don't know too many people who would do that, but, you know, maybe he did it, you know, maybe he did it in public. Maybe he did it at baseball games. Maybe he did it, I don't know, uh, for after practice or whatnot. Maybe he did it. Just walking on campus, maybe he did it there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I hope he didn't do it. I hope he didn't do it. I really do. And they got a big game. Notre Dame, Florida State. That's going to be a big football game. Two undefeated football teams. I think Florida State's the better team. And they got Jameis Winston. And say what you want to say about Jameis Winston, he still hasn't lost the college football game. You know, you, you look at the Auburn game, down early. Down early, and he comes back and then puts his team over. I mean, this guy has is, is, is found a way when, when, when all the pressure is on him. When all the pressure is on him. You know, a lot of pressure on him. You know, the, the allegations over his head. It didn't seem to matter. He was focused. He was locked in, and he wanted to win football games. And that's what he did. He won football games for Florida State. He's continuing to win football games for Florida State. 
continuing to win football games for Florida State. We'll see what happens with Jameis. We'll, we'll see if he can come up with another big-time performance with, you know, stuff hovering over his head, with allegations out there against him. We'll see if he can continue to just get past all the negativity that's out there. Let's see if he can get past all the allegations that are out there and move towards, can, maybe let's see if he can continue to win. Let's see if he can continue to win. And, and all he's done, yes, you could say he's, all he's done has been a distraction. You could say all he's done is, you know, caused a lot of attention, negative attention to come towards the University of Florida State. But all you could, you, I know you. one thing you definitely can say is all he has done, other than those things, is win. All he has done is win. And he's won a lot. And he's undefeated. Florida State's undefeated. Let's go back to the question. Would you draft Jameis Winston, number one, if you're a team in need of a quarterback? I would say, obviously, you have to do your due diligence. Obviously, you you have to talk to the kid. Obviously, you have to talk to people and do your research about the kid. You do all those things, and, and you talk to people. You You talk to... Uh, people associated with the university, people who know this guy, his coaches. You talk to all those people, and you talk to everybody. You, obviously, that's what you have to do. But to me, to me, James Winston is a talented football player. To me, if you believe this guy is the most talented player on your board and, and, and you believe he can bring a lot to your table, a lot to the table and a lot to your franchise, as far as I'm concerned, you have to draft him. The New York Jets. Some may disagree with this, but you need a quarterback. You stink right now. If you have an opportunity with Jameis Winston, you need to draft him. Tampa Bay. You stink right now. If you have an opportunity for Jameis Winston, you need to draft him. Washington. You stink right now. You need to think about drafting Jameis Winston if you have an opportunity. Even with RG3 still there. Obviously, Jacksonville and Oakland, they have their quarterbacks. But if I'm an NFL executive, St. Louis, you need to draft them too. If I'm an NFL executive and I have an opportunity to draft Jameis Winston, I'm going to draft Jameis Winston. He's made some mistakes, obviously. He's made some mistakes. Obviously, you're going to do your due diligence. Obviously, you're going to research the kid. But you can't question his toughness. I mean, no matter the allegations, no matter the issues, he still found ways to play on Saturday, win a Heisman, and be successful and win championship, win a championship for his team, and just stay undefeated. He's done that. So say what you will about the guy. He has won a lot of games. So if you're a GM and you need a quarterback and you feel like this guy is the most talented player in the draft, you need to draft him. Let's bring in a guy who was very talented, a guy who made a lot of plays. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Willie. How you doing, Paul? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Well, a few things. You know, from what I heard from guys, Derek Brooks and D.R. Sanders and some of these guys have tried to talk to Jimmy Winston. He doesn't really listen. Um you be cautionary with drafting him, I would say this, Paul, because 
you know, when you keep when you keep going down this road, you know, you can't keep making mistakes. He knew, you know, if he did sign autographs, he knew from what happened last year that he couldn't do that, Paul. I mean, Gurley knew that. So why would you go and jeopardize your season uh, when you had a undefeated season last year? And this, and this year, after you got into trouble, you got in trouble with, uh, with and I don't know if they're trying to indict him on the the, the assault charge last year, but see, see when, he, when he keeps getting in trouble, it, that keeps coming back to light, Paul. So eventually the kids got to learn that you can't do that. I mean, he has to understand He's at Florida State University. He's the kind of prospect. Basically, he's he's auditioning for the NFL. He's out every year he plays. He's auditioning for the NFL. And don't you don't do anything to jeopardize your stock for the NFL. But the NFL can't go and give this guy four or five million dollars a year. You know he doesn't have money now. If you give him four or five money, four or five million a year, Paul, then you you're giving him more money to to be a little more reckless with. So, you know, the kid has a lot of potential. Just like Vince Young had a lot of potential. But Vince Young got in a situation when he got in the NFL. He started off okay. Everything started backsliding. He was spending too much money. The pressure's on him. And, and then now he's out the league. And, and he was wrong and had a lot of potential. Now, I think James Winston is a better drop-back quarterback than, 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 than Vince Young was. And he can read defenses. And potentially, he has a, he has a great upside. But I just look at what he's doing, Paul, and he keeps doing dumb stuff. Eventually, you have to learn you can't do dumb stuff and then come to the NFL doing dumb stuff. But let me ask you this, and, you know, we've all been 20 years old before. How many of us have really listened at the age of 20? I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, and more so with him because he's a guy that, you know, obviously a big-time prospect, and when you're a big-time prospect, you, you know, you can do certain things, and you obviously do certain things. My thing is, at that age, how many people really do listen? But, Paul, we talked about this with Adrian Peterson. Sooner or later, you've got to be accountable at some point. The kid has never had to be accountable. If he's doing the stuff now, this this didn't just start. He's been doing stuff getting away with. Sooner or later, he's got to be accountable for his own actions, and he's got to listen. If you don't listen to Hall of Famers, if Deion Sanders is reaching out to you, the kid plays in Florida State. If Derrick Brooks and Deion Sanders are trying to reach out to you, Hall of Fame guys, he sees Deion Sanders every week on TV. He knows who Deion is. If Deion Sanders is reaching out to you to give you advice, you need to listen to him. you got a guy that's been through everything, that's trying to teach you with. Now, Deion never got no trouble, not not that kind of trouble. But what I'm saying is Deion had a lot of going to do like we all did. But I'm saying if Deion Sanders is trying to reach out to you, then you need to listen to what he has to say. At least listen to what he has to say. And when we talk about uh, 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 Michael Vick, similar situation. People were trying to reach out to Michael Vick when he's playing for Atlanta, and he didn't want to listen. If you don't listen, you're going to have a hard learning curve if he gets to the NFL and he's still not listening. But let's look at this, though. You, you look at the situation with the allegations of the allegation of rape. Eventually, there was no conviction. There was no nothing with that. They didn't do anything with that. That case has been it's gone. We we look at the situation with the crab legs, where he stole the crab legs and everything. You know, uh, we don't know the term. I mean, maybe that was a situation where he was getting a hookup. We we know that we see the situation with the autographs. Yeah, it might be wrong, but I understand any guy trying to get money, you know, especially when you're a guy like James Winston, a big-time college athlete, and a lot of people are making money off your name. So uh, here's what I'm saying. 
at the end of the day, he's 20 years old. But no matter all these distractions that surrounding the kid, he's still going out there and making plays and dominating and playing big-time football. To me, that has to say a lot about the kid because he's not – the pressure is all around him, and, and he's oblivious to it, and he's out there, and he's still playing big-time football. That, that has to say something about him. No, I agree with you. He plays – the more pressure on him, it's like he loves the pressure. He lives up to it. I'm not arguing that point with you. I will say this. Just like what happened with Des Bryant when he got drafted by the Cowboys. If I draft James Winston in the first round with a pick, I will, I, if I was drafting him, I'm going to have somebody by his side watching that kid keep him out of trouble. I'm not driving. I'm not drafting James Winston and let him his first couple of years without having somebody watching him, staying by him, driving him around, making sure he's not getting in trouble. That's me. Because what happens is, Paul, if he does get in trouble, all this stuff that happened prior is going to be brought up again. So if I draft him, I'm going to have a security, I'm going to have a system around to make sure he doesn't mess up. I'm not going to let him mess up, okay, off the field. So if he wants to, he understands when you go into the NFL, you're a pro athlete. You're accountable for everything you do. So you're a pro. So I'm going to make sure I have a system around him watching everything he does to keep him out of trouble. Now let me ask you this: We 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 got a lot of bad teams out here. Tampa Bay Rams. You got the Rams who are a bad football team. A lot of teams. Redskins. Let me ask you: If you were watching Redskins, this is the ultimate hypothetical, obviously. But if you finish the season bad, I mean, you're one and five. You're not a good football team. You have an opportunity to draft Jameis Winston, even with RG three still there. Would you do it? What pick? What pick are we talking about? Let's let's just say four. Let's just say four because you look at Oakland. Oakland, you know, they have Derek Carr. Jacksonville has Blake Bortles. Let's just say the Rams finish. Uh, let's just say Tampa Bay. Or let's say Minnesota finishes third. They don't want them. They have Bridgewater. And you're at four. You're the Redskins. You are a bad football team. You have questions about RG3. This is obviously hypothetical. Would you draft Jameis Winston? Mm. You know, because I have the other quarterbacks there, and I have Cousins there. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I may draft him, but but uh, but uh, I, I think it's going to be some wrong things. You know, NFL mm. college is different. He's got to learn how to play NFL game. He's going to learn how to read defenses. But that, that's a hot pick. That's a real hot pick. And he and he's got uh, look. I love the kid. is an excellent player. He he knows how to play in the big games. He's playing uh, you know under the spotlight every week. Obviously, Florida State has not been this good in a long time to where they are right now. So, but but, but he's got to go. I mean, just like what happened with 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 uh, with, uh, with Johnny 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 football, they take him in. I think James has to come out this year. Um, they're not going to want to fool with all that now since they're Florida State after this year. So, hypothetically, I would look at drafting him if I have a core group of veterans around and I make sure I have a network around that can watch him off the field, I will draft him if I secure that before he gets drafted. I have to make sure I know what this kid is doing when he's not playing football. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Willie, we saw last night the New York Jets. I mean, they lose last night to the New England Patriots. They're 1-6. and six. Geno Smith, uh, not a fan. You know, Rex Ryan right now looks like, I mean, especially the way the season's going, this is probably his last year, especially if the Jets – can't turn around. Do the Jets turn around? I mean, they're one in six. 
Uh, I don't think they try. I think they'll be more competitive. I, I saw that. I couldn't believe that the uh, Seattle traded Percy Harvin. I mean, that offense yeah. is okay sometimes. Sometimes it does for a second and what part of the second and the fourth. But Percy Harvin's got traded there. Um, I don't think they just turn it around. I think offensively they just don't have enough to turn it around. But Percy Harvin will help them. But I, I don't see them uh, turning around this year. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, the Jets are are done, and, and especially, I mean, their quarterback situation to me is just it, it needs to be upgraded. And I don't think they have a quarterback in Geno Smith. And to your, I mean, they're done. And, and they're I, done I don't, I don't think, I don't think Michael Vick is going to be able to carry a team like that anymore. I don't think Michael Vick has that. I mean, to be honest, I don't think he has that in him anymore. I don't think right now he wants to be put in that situation. Now. I mean, if Michael Vick wanted to get out there and really do it. He could have told him he wanted to get out there and do it. So I don't think, you know, Michael Vick was really expecting to have all the person on him this year. And, and you know, obviously it didn't look like he did want to get out there and really, really play. And the Jets got a it, – at this point, it will range from a second to a fourth-round pick. So it's going to be a pick between second or four, or the fourth round. So, I mean, that's what they get for Percy Harvin. I'm surprised about the deal because I thought Seattle, you know, I mean, they're they're not the most prolific – Offense, they don't have the most prolific passing game, so I was a little surprised that Seattle would make this move at this point in the season. But we'll see. I mean, obviously, if you're Percy Harvin, that's got to stink. I mean, you go from a team that could win a Super Bowl to a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs, so that's got to be a tough situation. I want to ask you this Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys go into Seattle, DeMarco Murray, six straight 100 yard game. The defense made some plays, I mean, they were solid. And Tony Romo and that Cowboy team went into Seattle and won, and now this Cowboy team is five and one. What are your thoughts on the Cowboys at this point? Well, uh, I think they're an excellent football team. I like the balance. They run the ball a lot. They pass the ball well. They mix it up. I like the way the defense is playing. That defense swarms to the ball. They look. They remind me somewhat of Seattle. It's like when you, when, when somebody catches the ball or something happens, they are all over the field making plays. I I love the way they McLean has come back. These guys you haven't heard of. Well you have a defense with guys you haven't heard of and they're and, and they're playing the way they're playing and the guys are buying in. They're playing hard and, and they are they are they are right now they are they're one of the top, you know, two or three teams in the NFL the way they're playing and they and they showed it because they won some, some big games in that game in Seattle. I mean the receivers you got Terrence Williams, you got Des Bryant, uh Whitney, you have the big big guy in the 89, and you have a couple other backs to come in and do a good job. But that offensive line is playing. I haven't seen a, a, a line for the Cowboys play like that in the early 90s when they had when they had the, the, the that line that was just unbelievable. That that was the best yeah. line in the 90s. You know that line and the Bronco line in the late 90s was was real good. But them, the, those two lines were the best lines in the league. Definitely, you know, you, you got you know a big time offensive line. You got a big time wide receiver and a big time running back, and Tony Romo's playing some big, good football right now. Do we have a reincarnation of the triplets? <laughs> Is it possible? I'm not. Go, I'm not gonna go that far. <laughs> I'm not gonna go that far. Okay. All right. All right. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rove, Peyton Manning. I mean, he's approaching Brett Favre's record for the most touchdown passes in the history of the NFL. If, I mean, obviously he's going to get the record unless something crazy happens. With that being said, is Peyton Manning the greatest quarterback of all time? No. 
I can't say that okay. because I'm looking at the postseason. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I'm in Western right now. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say Terry Bradshaw's a better quarterback, but Terry Bradshaw's got four four Lombardi trophies and never got beat. You got you got you got Joe Montana that has four rings. You have uh, you got Tom Brady right now. There's three and two. I mean, you can argue about Tom Brady. You know, he didn't have the players to Peyton Manning has, and, and Tom Brady has, has you know with with three rings. We don't talk about Dan Marino as being the greatest quarterback of all time, and Dan Marino uh, got to the Super Bowl his rookie year and never got again, but Dan Marino was due for a whole bunch of yards. We don't talk about Brett Favre as being the greatest quarterback to play in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he got one ring. So, um, you know, Peyton, Peyton's an excellent player. Uh, I'm not going to take that away from him, but when you talk about the best of all time, you got Johnny Unitas, and, I mean, you, you, you can go down the list and tell me the quarterbacks have sure. won three or four rings, uh, you know, you know, and, and in the big games, you know, have played big in big games, and and, you, and 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 I can't say that. Uh, I, I mean, I think he's in the top twenty players of all time, but I can't say he's the the greatest quarterback to play the game. Willie, we got to get your top five. Who are your, who are your top five teams, man? Who's who, who's the top five teams in the NFL at this point? Top five in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um. Broncos, Dallas, Seattle, um, let me think about two more teams that are doing real well. Who are we looking at? Who are we looking at? Paul would have real good record. I know Philadelphia. Philadelphia will be in my top five. San Diego? And I would have the Chargers first. And then San Diego okay. next. All right, so your Chargers, top five. And then, and then Philly. All right, so Chargers, Philly, Dallas, Denver, and who's the fifth team? You said Seattle. Seattle's still in the top Seattle. five. Okay. I have Denver, okay. Denver, Dallas, Seattle, Chargers, then Philly. Okay. All right. So Philly at number five. All right. I, you know that's a that's a solid top five. I mean, a lot of people say Dallas should be up a little. You know, maybe even number one. You know, after you well, know, I got, I got Dallas at number two. Okay, number two. You got the Chargers. You got the Broncos or the Chargers number one. I got the Broncos number one. I got okay. I got Dallas number two. I got Chargers three. I got uh uh uh. Four, four Seattle, all right, and five Philly. Okay, all right. Philadelphia five and one, beat Indianapolis and Indy. Shut out the Giants last week. A Giants football team that was playing some good football, uh, you know, on a three-game winning streak, and they got dominated by the Eagles. I mean, I don't think the Eagles are the best team in football. I actually think we have to say the Cowboys are the number one team. It's especially what they did to the Saints, and especially after what they did to Seattle in Seattle. I mean, at this point in time, I'm not saying the Cowboys – I'm not saying they're the best team, but I, I, what I am saying at this point, after, you know, that victory against the Seahawks, you have to say they are the best team in football. Just my opinion. But, you know, we'll see how this this, this works out. I want to ask you one quick question before we let you go. NBA, LeBron James, Dirk Nowitzki, those guys saying that maybe the NBA should limit the season to 60 games. Agree or disagree? Mm. Uh, I agree. 
I agree. If they can't if they can't cut down the back to back, I agree. They need to cut it down. Or maybe a little. I mean, cut it down to uh, eighty-two. Let's say that people are saying seventy-five. I say cut it down to maybe about seventy. Seventy-two. I, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking along the lines of sixty-five, sixty to sixty-five. Yeah, it's just too much. You don't need, but I mean, you, you, we got to cut salaries down. You want to cut the game down? We got to cut the salaries down. Mm, well, I, but I'm just saying, you know, less is more. I think in this situation, I think less is more in terms of the games because then you, you put a, you, it, it makes the games matter more. It makes, makes the every game matter, matter a little more. I agree with you. Definitely makes the games matter a little more. Let me ask you this, Willie. Now, I mean, every time I seem to talk to you, man, you're a world traveler. You're all over the country. Yeah, I'm in Russia right now. We're in Louisiana Tech. We're, uh, there. You know, I'm going to the College Football Hall of Fame, so I'm having my deal uh, to, tomorrow during the game at halftime. And, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to it. It was, it was great to play here. And, you know, you walk in there and I'm see the players and see all the, uh, the history of the school. It's, it's really a lot of history here. And uh, if you're not trying to go to a big, big program and you want to come in and play and, and play some good football, about 10, 15,000 students, uh, they really, they're really they're re- redoing the stadium. And it's very nice up here. And it's a little college town and right close to Grambling State. So uh, it's a nice area. If you want to play some good football, uh, you know, I think guys you know, look, look at coming over here to play. Skip Holtz is doing a really good job. Skip Holtz is doing a good job. Okay. All right. All right. Willie, have fun out there, man. Enjoy yourself. Let's do this again. Take care. All right. Thank you. Willie Rove, Hall of Famer. Interesting to get his take on some of the various things going on around the NFL. I mean, and again, James Winston, if, if you're a team in need of a quarterback, the Redskins, you know, we don't know if RG3 will ever regain that magic of that rookie season, that 20th touchdown, five interception season, that division-winning season. We don't know if that magic will ever be captured again with RG3. We just don't know. You're watching, I think you have to think about a quarterback. If you're Tampa Bay, you have to think about a quarterback. If you're the St. Louis Rams, you have to think about a quarterback. The Jets, you have to think about a quarterback. The uh, Jaguars, you're good there. Oakland, you might be good there. Tennessee, you need to think about a quarterback if you're bad enough. Most definitely need to think about a quarterback. So obviously there are teams out here in need of quarterbacks. Obviously Marcus Mariota is big time. Prescott is, is, is putting up some numbers. Jameis Winston, he's a guy you have to think about. You have to think about I don't care what you think about the off-the-field stuff. He's young, 20 years old. People make mistakes, especially in college. How many people have made crazy mistakes in college and done crazy and stupid things in college? Probably a lot of people. You, a, lot of, a lot of people on here probably listen to this show in college have probably done some stupid things, for sure. Let's go to the NBA now. Willie Rofe, we we talked about it, touched on it, but you got Dirk Nowitzki and and LeBron James coming out and saying maybe the NFL needs to think about shortening their season. And, you know, I agree. I, I totally agree. You know, 82 games is, is too much. 82 games is too much. I, I don't think there's no argument with that. 82 games is too much. 
don't get me wrong, I love the sport of basketball, and I, I could watch all 82 games. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the NBA. So I'm good with 82 games. I'll enjoy 82 games. But, you know, sometimes in life, less is more. To me, Thursday night football is, you know, it's weird to me. This is just my opinion. I love the sport of NFL. I love the NFL. love the sport. But to me, watching NFL football on Thursday is weird to me sometimes. It is weird. Unless it's Thanksgiving, unless it's later in the season, then it's it's a little weird. Every week, it's a little weird for me. And I'm one of those who believe less is more in that particular situation. Stick to Sunday nights and Monday nights. And then give us give us an occasional Thursday night. Give us an occasional Saturday night. We're good with that. But stick to Sundays and Mondays, in my opinion, just my opinion. But anyway, I look at the NBA, and I think less is more in this situation. How exciting was it back in 99 with the lockout short year, 50 games, when every game mattered? And, 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 and you know, there, there was more – you focused – every game meant a little more. When it's 82, there's some throwaway games. When it's 50, there even with 50, there are some throwaway games, but the amount of throwaway games is not the same as 82. 60, there are some throwaway games, but not as, as the same amount as there is when there's 82 games. So to me, that, I always I heard George Carl say this, and, and I totally agree with this especially with the dominance of the NFL, especially with everybody watching the National Football League, everybody loving the National Football League, and National Football League being and, and having this heightened popularity. And it sure does have a, a lot of popularity. It sure does have a heightened popularity. It is head, head and shoulders above any other sport here in America. There's no doubt about it. George Carl, to me, makes an interesting point. He believes that the NFL, the NBA season should start December 25th on Christmas. And I'm inclined to agree with him. I, I really am. I, I'm inclined to agree with him from this standpoint. You look at football. Come December, I mean, obviously you're in, you're in, you're in a, in a playoff races and things of that nature. But you're towards the end of the National Football League season. You're towards the end of the season come Christmas time. So around Christmas time, you know, you're you're near the end of the year. The end of the year. The end of the football season. At that point, it's around playoff. You're 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 close to the playoffs. You're not in the heart of the season. You're definitely not in the heart of the season. You look at this season in the NFL. You look at this season in the NFL. Um, December twenty third, right? Excuse me, December twenty first, I should say. Right? Okay, that's the Sunday, and that's week sixteen. So at that point. If you're the NBA, you start on Christmas, right? Let's just say you start on Christmas. Christmas Day is the first game. The final game of the season, the final week of the NFL, comes on December 28th. So if you start Christmas, at that point, the NFL is heading into their playoffs. So obviously the amount of games on, on Sunday and, and Saturday are limited. Well, it's going to be, now there's going to be games on Saturday because you have the playoffs, but that's only for the first two weeks of the playoffs. But the amount of games is limited. And 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 so at that point you're the NBA. You come in, you come in near the end of the NFL season, and then once the NFL the NFL season is done in February, at that point you know that's less time competing with the NBA. You know you only have you have December and let's say January and February. So you only have two months of competing with the NFL. Two months, pretty much competing with the NFL. Now you start. 
November. You have November, December, January, and February. So now you have four months of competing with the NFL. You start at Christmas time, you only have two months of competing with the NFL. So the year amount of time competing with the NFL is limited. And by the time the NFL season is over, well, there are no more Thursday night games. So December 28th, the last week of the season, there's not a Thursday night game. Every game is on Sunday. So with that being said, with that being said, and, and being that there's no games on Thursdays anymore, well, if you're the NBA, Thursday night is now yours again. You have Thursday nights again. It's all yours. All yours. And instead of doing that for two months, excuse me, for four months, you only would have to do that for two months. That's it. You only would have to do it for two months. So when George Carl says that, to me he's on to something. And also, also, I think you got the beauty of the NFL, what makes the NFL great, and what makes the NFL what it is. I think, obviously, it's the less is more situation, but also, also, every game counts. Every game matters. 16-game schedule, each and every game counts. Each and every game matters. Each and every game is important. They're important. Each and every game is important. Every game in the National Football League is important. It's important. So with that being said, with that being said, I think less is more, and I'm all fine with a 60-game schedule, a 60- to 65-game schedule. You don't need 82 games. You don't need to play 82 games. Less is more. Forget about shortening the game. The game is fine. But think about shortening the season or shortening the amount of games that you play. Think about it. And, and maybe if you're the NFL I mean, the NBA, excuse me, you think about pushing your season to, I mean, M- M- NFL training camps start late July. You think about ending your season late July, and then obviously the NFL is going to pick up with preseason and training camp. That's going to get a lot of attention because you're only going to be competing with baseball at that point. You're only competing with baseball. So if you take it to the end of July, you know, the, you're not comp- you're not competing with the NFL at all. You're competing with baseball. So I I think starting on Christmas is perfect, and possibly ending the season in July. I think that would be perfect. Again, it's all about less competition with the NFL. You can't compete with the NFL. No one can. No sport can compete with the NFL. No one. No sport out there can compete with the NFL in America, at least. So. It would be in your best interest. It would be in your best interest, as far as I'm concerned. If you're the NBA, Adam Silver, think about it. Think about it. We shall see what the NBA does. Speaking of the NBA, ESPN came out with his rankings of players, and Kobe Bryant was ranked 40th. So ESPN is saying, that 40 players, 39 players, are better than Kobe Bryant. 39 players are better than Kobe Bryant. 39 are ranked higher than Kobe Bryant. 
I don't know how you can say that. I, you know, you obviously you use various statistics and various metrics to come up with this, but you can't say you would have rather have Andre Iguodala, who's ranked 39, than Kobe Bryant. And, and don't doubt Kobe Bryant. I mean, you know, the Achilles injury, not too many players come back from the Achilles injury right. It's a difficult injury to return from. Isaiah Thomas never returned from his Achilles injury. Difficult injury to return from. But this is Kobe Bryant you're talking about. This is a guy who's cut from a different cloth. This is a guy who is, you don't doubt this man. He's got Jordan-like, he's Jordan-like in that sense. You don't doubt this man. You don't do it. And Kobe Bryant said, you know what? I've known for a long time that they're a bunch of idiots. And and I can't argue with that. I mean, to say Kobe Bryant, you, to say you would rather have 39 players, 39, play, 39 other players rather than Kobe Bryant to me is ridiculous. I mean, George Carl tweets out, I would be, I would say be very careful to doubt a player with the drive and work ethic that Kobe Bryant has. Hashtag, you been warned. You been warned. Thirty six players, thirty nine players, I should say, better than Kobe Bryant. Better than Kobe Bryant. That's hard. That's hard to 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 fathom. That's hard to. You know, under, that's hard. It's just hard. I've always looked at these particular things, and, and I said, you know what? It's not about. I mean, you could put the metrics and, and you know numbers and all that stuff, and men lie, women lie, and they say numbers never lie. But at the same time, at the same time, I always looked at those type of things, those type of rankings, as who would you rather have? Would you rather have Andre Iguodala? Or a broke down Kobe Bryant, possibly. We don't know if he's broke down. He did come back and have a decent performance in the preseason the other night. I can't say that, but would you rather have Clay Thompson? That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. I start to say Kobe Bryant until proven otherwise. Would you rather have Rondo? I'd say Kobe Bryant until proven otherwise. Would you rather have D Wade? I'd say Kobe Bryant until proven otherwise. And that's I have to say Kobe Bryant. I have to. And I think we all have to say Kobe Bryant until proven otherwise. We do. We do. Kobe Bryant is special. Guys like him, you can't doubt. Because guys like him find a way to to work their way through the doubts. Work their way to, through the doubters and work their way no matter the obstacles, whether it's it's an Achilles, a knee injury, it doesn't matter. This guy has found way. Kobe Bryant is special. Kobe Bryant is a competitive guy. Kobe Bryant has that never-say-never never attitude. Kobe Bryant is, 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 is Jordan-like in that sense in terms of his, his, you know, his ability to compete, his ability to, to his work ethic. You can never doubt Kobe Bryant. And if there's one guy in the NBA – who's going to work to get themselves back to where they want to get to and where they want to be, it's Kobe Bean Bryant. It's Kobe Bean Bryant. I don't think anybody, anybody, anybody can doubt Kobe Bryant. I don't think anybody can doubt Kobe Bryant. 
Well, I mean, you know, I, I can't say anybody, but it's, it's understandable to doubt him because he is 36 and he is coming off major knee injuries, major leg injuries, Achilles, knee injuries. He's coming off injuries. So it's quite, it's understandable to doubt him. But it's hard to, 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 to say that there are 39 other players better than Kobe Bean Bryant. It's hard to say. That's hard to say. Speaking of a story that's hard to talk about, but a funny story in some I mean, it's funny but sad at the same time. Joseph Randall got caught stealing cologne, got caught stealing draws. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is a guy. 2013 fifth round draft pick, four year, $200 million, $2 million deal, I should say. You know, I don't understand. I mean, he got caught stealing cologne, Gucci cologne. Also, got caught stealing a two pack of polo underwear from Dillard's. Got caught taking those things. And he told the Dallas Morning News, I know there's a big-time consequence for things in life. I disappoint a lot of people who really care about me, like my brothers on my team, the coaches around here in this organization. People who have supported me, my family, my dad. I let a lot of people down. I am really just trying to make, really trying my best to make it up to them and do whatever I got to do to get past this. I mean, it's. I don't know how you can explain this. This this is inexplicable for Joseph Randall, four years, $2.35 million coming his way to still draws and cologne. I mean, what 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 are you thinking? Like what what is going through your head? Are you high? Are you are you drunk? Are you are you what what's going through your head? I mean, I, I can't explain or, or, or I'm trying to figure out what, what goes through to his mind as he's taking the underwear and he's walking out of the store with the Gucci guilty black cologne. Is it, what, what's going through his head as he's taking those things, as he's walking out the store? What is going through his head? What's he thinking? I mean, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't think that, you know, in the price that he has to pay for taking draws, and, and and polo cologne, Gucci cologne. I mean, taking polo underwear and Gucci cologne. He's paying a high price for it, a high price. He's got a he just got a substantial fine, a big time fine, big time fine, big time fine. That's a lot. That's a lot. And and you know, when it comes to just underwear and, I mean. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, probably more will come out about the story. Is it a situation where he was getting a hookup? And, we, you know, that happens. You know, you get a hookup. Most people don't turn down a hookup. But, you know, that's illegal. It's illegal to take a hookup. It's illegal to take a hookup. Like, what do you need to shop? I mean, like, if you – I would think – I would understand if you're taking – Something more substantial, but you're taking draws. You're taking draws. I mean, he got fined twenty nine thousand dollars. 
$29,000. So, you know, polo draws, what, 10, 15, 20 bucks maybe. Cologne, 20, 30, 40 bucks. You know, you're talking about 60 to $70 worth of merchandise that you took for whatever reason. And I don't know what is going through his head. Does he have the mentally ill? Does he have some kind of mental illness? I mean, what is going through his head? What goes through the mind of of a guy who making the type of money that he's making and, you know, playing major – I mean, he's playing NFL football, the most popular sport in America, making decent money, $495,000 a year. And this guy, still in underwear, still in cologne. Think about it. I mean, I mean, think about that. Think about the the stupidity involved in that. Think about the stupidity involved in that. I mean, it, it's dumb. It's absolutely dumb and it's stupid. But at the end of the day, people make mistakes, and you hope that this guy Joseph Randall has learned from this mistake, and you hope that moving forward he will never do anything as stupid as this. You hope. You hope. I mean, is he a kleptomaniac? You know, it was a kleptomania that that caused Joseph Randall to do this. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He said it was stupid. He let a lot of people down. What was he thinking? What was going through his head? Why? 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 Did you do that? That is dumb. That is stupid. It doesn't get any more dumb than that. I mean, it just doesn't. Just dumb. <laughs> that's it. Fail. That, that, that's all you need to do is just fail. That's fail. That's more fail. That's just fail. That's inexplicable. That's ridiculous. You cannot explain what he did. I don't think he can explain what he did. From I hope he was high. I hope he was high. Uh, I hope he was drunk. I, I, I hope. I just hope. Because this is absolutely stupid. 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 But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I hope that Joseph Randall learns from it. I hope Joseph Randall can do what he has to do to become a better player. Kevin Durant had surgery. He will be reevaluated in six weeks. They're saying he could miss as much as two months, if not more. Obviously, that's going. that's a big hit for OKC. That's a big hit. For OKC, he will be reevaluated in six weeks. And to me, obviously, if you're OKC, if you're OKC, the reality is is this: your season, your 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 chances of winning an NBA title rest on the shoulders of Durant and Westbrook. Westbrook can't win it by himself. Not at all. And Durant 
can't win it by himself. Not at all. We've seen it. We, we, we've seen what OKC was when Russell Westbrook was on the sideline. They're not a, a championship team, and they're definitely not a championship team with Kevin Durant out of the lineup. So if you're, the, you're OKC, you got to hope, you got to pray that he will be out just eight weeks. You, you hope that it's only eight weeks. You hope it's not more. You hope it's not more. You hope, in the meantime, that Russell Westbrook can hold down the fort. You hope that Russell Westbrook, I mean, and, and to me, I'm interested to see this. I'm interested to see what OKC looks like with Russell Westbrook leading the way. I'm interested to see what this looks like with Russell. This is Russell Westbrook's team at this point. This is his team. He's going to have to put up big-time numbers. He can do it. He can score the basketball. He can most definitely score the basketball. And he's going to have to most definitely score the basketball if OKC wants. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, two months is a long time. Two months is a very long time. And the reality is this, is this. And here's the thing. You're in the Western Conference. You are in the Western Conference. And in the Western Conference, last year, you needed darn near 50 wins to get to the playoffs. This is not like the East, where you can, you can you know, flutter around 40, 40-something-odd 40 games, early 40s, and possibly get to the playoffs. It's not like that in the West. In the West, you need 48 to 50 wins in order to get to the playoffs. So Kevin Durant out two months. Can you hold the fort down? I mean, when Westbrook was out last year, they were able to hold the fort down. KD, and, and, and then there was talk that maybe OKC was better without Westbrook, and that's just crazy talk, crazy talk. But they held the fort down, and ultimately they won 59 games. They won 59 games. So they were a very good basketball team, and KD walked away with the MVP. Walked away with the MVP. But the reality is this. KD is better than Westbrook, I believe. Westbrook is no slouch. One of the best point guards in this game. Can absolutely put the ball in the basket. You know, an athletic freak. He can do some things. He can most definitely do some things. But, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Kevin, this is Kevin Durant's team. This is Kevin Durant's team. Westbrook only played 46 games last year. Only played 46. And and Kevin Durant was able to hold the fort down during those 46 during those games that he missed. Missed what? What's that? 44 games. 44 games. No, it's less than 44. My math is all messed up. 82 minus 46. Missed 36 games last season. And, you know, they were able to ultimately still have one of the best records in the Western Conference. And that's with him missing all those games. Can they do the same this year? With Kevin Durant now missing a boatload of games. Can they keep it up? This is not the East 
where 38 games last year got you into the playoffs. It took 11 more games, 11 more victories to get into the playoffs in the Western Conference. Dallas Mavericks have 49 wins. So it, it's it, it's going to take a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. To a lot of games, you need to win in order to get to the playoffs in the Western Conference. Can Kevin Durant? I mean, Kevin Russell Westbrook and OKC. Can they keep it going? Can they keep it going without Durant? Should be interesting to see. And I want it's interesting to see Westbrook and you know see see it be his team. It's his team, and you wonder what he's going to do and and what kind of numbers he's going to put up. He could put up a, he could put up some crazy numbers. He could put up some crazy numbers. I think I think him, you know, the way he plays, and you know, he's one of those guys that you know feels like he's unstoppable. And when you have that type of ability, like Russell Westbrook, I can understand why you would feel that way, because he has a lot of ability. And sometimes when you have that kind of ability, and you can make the type of plays that you can make, sometimes it, it it's hard for you to rely on others, and you start relying on you because of what you can do and the plays that you can make. Definitely, definitely. It, it's, it becomes harder to rely on people when you know the things that you can do. And that's, you know, maybe some of the things that Russell Westbrook encountered as a point guard trying to get others involved. But in the process of getting others involved, you know, when you feel like you can get any shot that you want, it becomes very difficult to get others involved because you feel like you can make any shot that you you put up. You feel like you can make any shot. So that's understandable. That's definitely understandable. You know, real quickly before we get out of here, Victor Cruz, heard, you know, Torres Patel attendant, out for the year. Chip Kelly, coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, went by and visited him in, in the hospital. And, and that said something about Chip Kelly. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great move. That, that's a big-time move by Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly seems to know the moves to make and seems to know the buttons to push. He really does. And, and that's kudos to Chip Kelly going out and seeing Victor Cruz during a time of need. And, I mean, obviously a big time of need for Victor Cruz. And, you know, he's out for the year. Giants, best wide receiver, done for the year. That's going to be tough for the Giants to duplicate and, and replace. I mean, it's going to be tough. Victor Cruz has put up numbers over the years for the New York Giants. And he's been one of the reasons. Well, I mean, he was a big reason that the Giants won the Super Bowl a few years back in the season that he's got. He had and the salsa each and every time he scored a touchdown. There was a lot of salsa dancing. Victor Cruz over the years, a lot of salsa dancing. I want to thank D'Angelo Tyson for stopping by. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter at Tyson underscore 94. Hit him up on his website, D'Angelo-Tyson.com. Also want to thank Willie Rofe for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash begin where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for and hit us up on Twitter at GoForGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.